Hello and welcome to episode 1188 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Monday, June 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good. It is afternoon for me. How you doing, yes. buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well. How about yourself? I know uh, I, for, this is something I didn't know, but we're going to peel the curtain back. I didn't know your office was in the Oakland A's visiting press box. It is. It is. But it turns out it is, or it's at least dealing with a similar issue. So yeah, yeah. How did you spend your weekend? uh, I I apologize to everybody who was expecting a Sunday episode. I had a great Sunday episode lined up um, with Ryan Venasio, who I'm going to keep just like promoting until we get him back on the show. But I had to cancel because uh, there was evidence of rats when I came into my office on Saturday, and therefore had to. Uh, Take everything out of my office. Uh, I have killed one of the rats. One has, one has been avenged. Uh, I'm sure there are more. Whereas there's one, there's typically others. So, uh, yeah, it was um, it was a really fun Father's Day uh, weekend. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I, again, I I apologize to those who are looking forward to Ryan coming on me and Jason, but uh, yeah, we'll get it figured out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, understandable that you had to deal with all that. Hopefully uh, it isn't too crazy, but uh, maybe talking some baseball will put you in, in better spirits here. We're going to do a little bit different format. Um, it, I feel like things have been getting a little stale with just the two starts, just the pickups. When there is a Sunday episode, you guys are talking pickups. So, yeah, we're, we're you're talking before after waivers. We're talking after, but still, it's a little much. So we're still going to talk some key waiver guys. Uh, but in a different context, we're going to kind of break things down a little bit more into some different groups. Let's start with some top news and notes. Uh, first and foremost, Lars Newtbar returning from the IL and already playing this afternoon. They had an early Monday game. You don't see that very often, but the Cards and Nats are already playing. In fact, the Nats up 1-0 on Jack Flaherty. Was this, is this the beginning of a series or a wraparound? I think it's the beginning of series. It is the beginning. Okay, so yeah, that's interesting. An early Monday game, you don't see that often. Not as focused on that as I am. Newt Bar returning. What do you think of Newt Bar coming back? Is he back in your lineup in all formats? Are you easing him back in? How are you playing it with Newt Bar, who had had a two sixty six average, four homers, and five steals in 184 plate appearances before the IL? I put him right back into my lineups uh, where I remember to set things on time because I'm an idiot <laughs> sometimes and uh, I've been just overwhelmed with, with crap. So a uh, literal rat crap. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I put him right back into my lineups. Uh, I'm interested to see how things play out over the next week or so in the Cardinals. Uh, you know, Jordan Walker has been playing very, very well. And so you would assume he needs to keep playing. Um, but they only have so many spots for so many people. So I'm worried about guys losing playing time. When are we going to start seeing Brennan Donovan lose, you know, a good portion of his playing time? When are we going to see? That's not going to happen. Yeah. He's been playing a lot better lately. Mm -hmm. I wonder if one of the two sub 300 OBP guys at the bottom, Paul DeYoung, or Tommy Edmond, maybe starts. Edmond is the one I'm I'm worried about. The only thing about Edmond, though, is he's at least been really good defensively. Um, True. So, but they have other guys for the outfield. Yeah. That can play those spots. So Dylan Carlson, you know, um, Dylan Carlson's the odd man out today uh, on Monday, if you're listening to this, with the young Edmund, Newt Barr, Walker, all of them playing Donovan leading off. And Donovan's been leading off. And again, he, he's kind of back on track, at least to the level that you 
should have probably expected from Donovan. I was one of those that thought the spring power might yield some more pop. It hasn't really come to fruition during the regular season, but he's he's getting I mean, on base. He's collecting hits. He's got six home runs right already. Early. Early it was there. It's still it, there. It, it's still uh, that's that's more home runs than he that he got like all of last season, right? Like he had five home runs last year. So six, he's already I, surpassed last season. I understand that. I, I know that was saying, an yeah. early spurt early right away. And I feel like it's kind of tapered off since then. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, sub 400 slug his first two months, 407 so far in 15 June games for Donovan. But the bottom line is he's playing like the guy that, that they believe they can trust. Last month, three oh, uh, the last month of games, 306 average, 410 OBP for Brendan Donovan. So new bar back near the top of the lineup, batting third. He's fully trusted. I put him back in everywhere. That was automatic for me. Big time performance this weekend. Pretty much highlights why both of us, as big believers of this guy, but why we've been so reluctant to fully quit Lance Lynn. That said, I wasn't blaming people for cutting him, for sending him for sure, and or cutting him, uh, depending on the league size. Like there was a lot of reasons to be like, I guess it's just not coming together. So then, of course, as more and more cut him and his roster uh, rate starts to dip. Lance Lynn goes out and drops 16 strikeouts with 30 swinging strikes, which I believe was a season high for baseball, an MLB season high. Seven innings, three runs, four hits, two walks with those 16 Ks. Of course, a loss, by the way. He took the loss for Lance Lynn. Um, I know he was on a lot of your benches, but you still haven't cut him. And what does this do to change your interest in Lance Lynn going forward, I think is the biggest question at this point. Why does Lance Lynn hate me? And for all the support that you've given him to do that on your bench is tough. Yeah. And now you're faced with the decision of, do you start him this week against Boston at home? Okay. You're going to take that one off. What if he goes out and does well against them? Then you got the angels on the road next week. So the next two starts are very difficult matchups. What does this big start do for your, your Lynn love and whether or not you're starting him? I still think he's like a team streamer in most formats. Like I think I don't want to drop him the wave wire because we saw what he can do. And I don't want him to do that on other people's teams, but like he's just so hard to trust, especially against good offenses. You know, while these next two starts aren't great, like I'm I'm starting him in a lot of 15s this week. You know, for yeah. against Boston, and then we'll kind of wait and see how I feel in terms of going against the Angels next week. But for the most part, like he's gonna face more games against his division than anybody else, and his division sucks. And so True. I'm I'm totally fine, just kind of. Put him on my bench for right now in a lot of you know ten and twelve team leagues, and then kind of moving forward, just picking my matchups. Get things off kilter by about one day, anywhere here before next week, and Lance Lynn is facing Oakland in Oakland. So yeah, if we can get pray for a, rain, baby, a rain out or something, maybe just a little. He went on the return list today, so maybe uh, Lynn did. Yeah, like literally right before he started recording. That might not do it though, because and hopefully it, everything's okay. It's Friday. It's, it's like a Friday. Exactly. Start, yeah. It's Saturday right now, so we'll we'll see. But uh, take yeah, take an extra day just to you know come time. back on Sunday, so I still get the start. But <laughs> take you know, your time and deal um, with everything. Yeah, it's always it's always tough. It's a three day thing too, so he'll be out mm-hmm. for the Texas series. Not that he was going to pitch it anyway. Uh, Tanner Houck had a really scary situation, getting hit by a batted ball in the face. That has now led to a facial facial fracture for Tanner Houck. They originally thought, okay, 
as these things go, not as terrible as they expected, but now on the IL with that facial fracture, it, we're kind of dealing in the dark right now with Hauk. Are you holding him everywhere, Tanner Hauk? Um, I don't think so. I don't think you need to. I mean, uh, yeah, probably not. I, th- I think I'd probably move on. The, you know, maybe you wait, especially if 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 you're in a weekly league where you only get pickups on Sundays anyways, you at least get to kind of wait and see if there's a little bit of news before Sunday. But as things stand at the moment, I don't think he's the guy that you necessarily have to hold on in onto in most formats. Yeah, it's probably deep leagues only. I mean, the schedule hasn't really been kind lately, and it's been it's been shown in the results for Tanner Houck um, since May first. Toronto, Philly, Seattle, the Angels, Diamondbacks, Rays, and Yankees twice. And he has a 540 ERA in that time. Now, he only has a 505 all told, so it's not like he ripped through the league in April. Uh, the schedule wasn't that much friendlier either. Baltimore, Detroit, Angels again, Minnesota, and Baltimore again. So he's he's had a rough one. That's probably why, part of why he has a 505 ERA. I like Tanner Houck in theory. I don't think we've fully seen it. 10s and 12s, I think it's a totally fair cut. You could have done it last night. In 15s, I am probably trying to hold, but if we don't get positive news this week, I do think that on Sunday, Hauk would then become somebody that I would be okay cutting. Uh, This next guy, I definitely want to hang on to him. This is a huge bummer. Tristan McKenzie had just come back and is immediately back to the IL with an elbow issue. This is scary. I mean, we know his health concerns uh, have been massive coming up. He had the big breakout year last year, became somebody that people were really interested in. Returned for two starts, brilliant in his season debut, one hit of five, uh, five innings of one hit ball with 10 strikeouts, then gave up five and five against Houston. Uh, that was really a, a bad first inning, uh, but still wasn't quite the same. Now he's back on the IL. What about Tristan McKenzie? Are you holding him everywhere right now? Uh, anywhere that's got an IL spot for sure, um, at least until we get a little bit more information, but if you're in a roster crunch, I totally understand dropping him uh, because, you, like you said, usually these kind of situations end up with a guy getting Tommy John. So I just worry that that's where this is headed anyways. And if you really need that roster spot because you're turning and burning or you don't want to take a zero, I totally get just moving on. Yeah, I wonder how much he was cut this weekend since this all took place on Friday and Saturday with regards to missing the start and then going on the IL. You're talking 15s, you, you might cut him too, Tristan McKenzie? I mean, I would try to hold, but like if you're in a situation where you've already got like two or three guys on the IL that are that are sitting on your bench, like can you really afford yeah, to and- hold on? Especially if they're short term or toward the end of their perceived, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you're holding on to somebody who's like on the way back, or maybe you know Newt Bar was part of your considerations and he's back today, sure that might clear a spot. But man, I don't know. It becomes difficult, and I do worry. And this was a guy, Tristan McKenzie, again that I loved. He was great for me last year as as a uh, on the rise type of guy. But once the premium went there, I think this is another guy that. I kind of always want to buy on the downswing. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of a little bit is it could be a Lance McCullers situation. Mm-hmm. Whenever he pitches, he's good, but you never really want to pay full price. So even when Tristan McKenzie has those big seasons, you avoid the temptation of paying that top 30, top 25 price just because it's not that he can't 
stay at that level. It's just that trusting his health is so difficult. So I, I'm, I'm a little tepid on, on the future for McKenzie right now with regards to the health. But if it ends up being an injury washout season and he's dirt cheap next year, you better believe I'll be buying at that point. So I think he's an always buy low type of guy, which means if you're in trade leagues, you might want to go out and buy right now. Uh, Edward Cabrera heading to the IL as well. This one's a bummer because he had really been um, starting to show some signs that, or at least on a run with his, uh, with his control. I don't want to say show signs that he was reining it in because there's never really uh, an indication that Cabrera's control is getting better, but he hadn't walked four for a while, which is something he does with some level of frequency. He'd only had six total walks in his last three starts combined, which is a 10% mark of 60, 60 batters face, which for Edward Cabrera is pretty good. And he'd been pitching well. Now he goes to the IL. Where do you stand with him? Because now this could open the door for Trevor Rogers to return, although he himself dealt with a setback. So you hold an Edward Cabrera. Uh, no, I dropped Cabrera in a couple leagues. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, I held him where I kind of could and where, you know, but for the most part, I, I dropped him. Uh, I wonder if this is more of a matter of like, they didn't want to send down Yuri Perez and Hey, it looks like Edward. Cabrera, you, I think we need some time off. And so maybe it's a short term thing until another opening opens back up or, mm -hmm. uh, or just time to kind of give him a little bit of a break. Uh, but I don't know. Like I, I just, the, the control issues are just too big of an issue for him. Uh, and he just becomes such a whip killer because yep. he gives up so many free, you know, bases uh, via the walk. So um, I wish I hadn't drafted. <laughs> when he's that classic guy that we talk about a lot where uh, one bad start can really dump out, you know, kill the effect of three or four good ones mm -hmm. and to wit you know he had a three-star run of a 216 era then you throw in his most recent start for edward cabrera at seattle four innings five runs it bumps those four starts up to 392 which is fine in in deeper leagues but it becomes a bit fringier in those shallow formats particularly when it's paired with um, a 116 whip which is not bad by the way especially for him because he was riding a hot 255 babbit but the whip is always lingering with Edward Cabrera. And so when he has those bomb outs, it really erases a lot of good work. 10s, 12s, easy cut, 15s, you're trying to hold Cabrera. But uh, shallow formats, I'm moving on. This is a deep league only situation with Anthony Rendon, but he's back to the IL. Um, not a huge surprise there. He, he's been okay, nothing special this year. Are you holding him even in deeper formats? Let's say you're free and clear of injuries. Are you still just going to get a different player? Or would you try to hold Rendon? He had a great May batting average-wise, but April and, and the eight games of June that he's played have sucked so far. So where are you at on Anthony Rendon right now as he heads back to the I.O.? I mean, outside of the I.O. only, he shouldn't have been on your roster at this point. Like, I mean, he's got one home That's run and two fair. stolen bases this year. And um, the only reason he has value is because he bats higher up on a very potent Angels team. They're better off with him on the IL. <laughs> I mean, he has not been good. And I'm a long-term, long-term Rendon lover. But he's 33 at this point. I mean, he played 58 he's and 47 bad defensively. Games. Like he's, yeah, I mean, he, and he's a sub-average, below-average bat right now. The OBP is good at 366. His slug for Anthony Rendon is 50 points lower at 316. Yeah. That's 
That's horrendous. One homer, two steals. Easy cut everywhere. Probably shouldn't have been on many rosters. I agree. Let's do a little three up, three down. Three guys up, three guys down right now. Gunnar Henderson. If you cut him early, you might be regretting it. And that's why it's hard to, to advocate too heavily for people to cut guys like this. Even when it's a guy that I didn't quite love, it's like you paid this big price. And yeah, I know we talk all the time, you know, sunk cost fallacy, whatever. But you kind of want to see it through more than some people were ready to do. They were cutting Gunnar Henderson. And now all of a sudden you look up in his last 20 games, 324 average, 1002 OPS, six homers and three steals. Um, he looks he looks like he's coming out of it big time. Is Gunnar Henderson here? And uh, were you were you advocating cutting back in uh, April or early May when things were really looking ugly for Gunnar? I don't think I ever advocated cutting. I definitely advocated not drafting. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't love paying the premium for him, but I didn't want that to influence me saying, like, cut this guy after a month when I know I would not cut an eighth-round pick after a month, even – if the consensus didn't agree with my eighth round pick, I still, I got to see it through longer. So I hope people yeah. held. I know some of the shallower formats, Henderson was popping up on IL or on uh reserve, excuse me, on waiver wires for God's sakes. Uh, but now with this hot run, he's kind of in line with what he was supposed to do. He's got a 793 OPS now with 10 homers and four steals for the year. Where are you at on Henderson going forward now? You've seen the good, you've seen the bad. Where does he go from here the rest of the way? So two, three and a half months left. So this is a really interesting odd streak. Because, I mean, if you remember back to why I was out on Gunnar Henderson coming into the season, it was a large part due to the fact that he has struggled to hit lefties. Um, and he did in the minor leagues as well. And so I was really worried about him being really good, you know, when going up against righty, but then when going up against a lefty, just being atrocious and then finding himself as a platoon player because yeah. while Baltimore like you know doesn't look rich of talent they're going to be very very soon like oh I, yeah I, I wrote about it last week on Fantasy Pros like at some point they're going to start bringing up all these guys they you know they were tied for the second best record in baseball I, I don't know where they're at after the weekend but um, you know they're behind the Rays but that's pretty much the only team they're behind in, in the American mm -hmm. League so um if you look at what he did versus lefties, you know, last year, 130 in the majors against left-handed pitching. Um, I mean, I, I know it wasn't a lot of plate appearances for Gunner, but how many did he have against lefties? It was just 20. It was just 26. But that he went had, in line with his minor league struggles against lefties. Exactly. So okay. March, April, he 095 versus left-handed pitching in 28 plate appearances. In May. That OPS or average? That's his average. Okay. Uh, his OPS was uh, 417. Still pretty um, horrendous. In May, a little bit better, but still 176 average, 476 OPS. Okay. In June, now it's only 10 plate appearances. Yeah. So about half the number of plate appearances or a third of the number of plate appearances, you know, for a full month against left-handed pitching. But 556 batting average, 1.156 OPS. So he found some. Is it a hot stretch? I mean, he, he's got, he does have like an insane 625 Babip against left handed pitching during the month of June in those mm -hmm. 10 plate appearances. But it's at least signs of life. It's showing that he can hit the baseball against lefties. Um, 
I'm very, very intrigued. I'm not ready to say like, hey, he solved this because this could easily just be um, just a hot streak, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm very, very intrigued. And this is a very, very good sign. And yeah, there are leagues where people drop, including 15 teams. He got dropped in my TGFBI league. And I missed out on him by $12, even though, like, you know, this is another one of those instances. I was not in on him draft season. But when you look at the waiver wire, yeah, you get him off the waiver wire, you go, okay, maybe he's an interesting pickup. So, um, yeah, I, I, if he's available in your league, you should pick him up. I can't imagine he's available in very many. No, I would hope that Gunnar Henderson uh, is fully, you know, back to being fully rostered. Uh, he's he's 90% at Yahoo, so there's at least 10% out there that might be dead That's leagues it. or whatever, but check your league because uh, Gunner's back to being needing to be on a team everywhere. Josh Naylor is an RBI machine. He has 38 ribbies in his last 38 games, averaging one per game. And the interesting part about that is a lot of that time was spent not really producing much around it. Um, for Josh Naylor. He was just making sure he was kind of getting those ribbies in. Uh, but now lately, he's, he's ticked up the production as well. This month, though, 15 games, he's hitting 387 with 13 ribbies in 15 games. Uh, no homers. He did have five last month, though, and three the month before. So eight, we've seen kind of the requisite power from Josh Naylor. He basically just looks like last year's guy, if not a bit better, with a ton of ribbies and five steals in 63 games, which is nice. Is Josh Naylor somebody that uh, that deserves more credit for what he's been doing lately? And we'll talk about his brother later, by the way, who was called up. But he's 80% rostered at Yahoo. Should that not be 100% for Josh Naylor? Is he underrated right now? I mean, kind of the exact same analysis from, you know, from the Gunnar Henderson. Like, he's a guy True. who's atrocious versus left-handed pitching. And we always kind of felt like, oh, Cleveland's just going to not put him against left-handed pitching. But they have been. And I don't know if it's because – they just don't have any other really good options because it's such a, you know, shallow team in general. Um, but he started to hit against lefties the last few months, not nearly like Gunnar Henderson level or anything like that, how, how Henderson's been doing, but at least holding his own, hitting 267 this month versus lefties uh, and 263 last month. And so I think we're starting to see, hey, like they're playing against lefties and he's holding his own, which is a really good sign because. He gets full slate of plate appearances, and all of a sudden, he's a really, really interesting, uh, you know, bat uh, that is dual eligible in some leagues. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like Naylor. I can't believe he is still that low rostered. I know eighty yeah, percent is still 20, high, but twenty sure, twenty percent of twenty percent. I mean, I guess it could be leagues where like you don't have like the CI, you know, yeah. three outfielders, and three outfielders, but. So, Eight homers, fifty-three ribbies, and five steals for Naylor with a with a good average. I don't know. I feel like it should at least be on the rise then, because you're talking that's a twenty-one. I guess it's a twenty-one homer, thirteen steal pace, which isn't killer, but one thirty-six on the ribbies is kind of nuts. Uh, his runs are down though. It shows you that Naylor is driving plenty in, but then they're not driving him in because he's only pacing for sixty-four runs right boop, now. Boop, but uh, boop, 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 he's definitely boop. doing well. What's going on? Breaking news. Jack Flaherty sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, we knew. I don't know if that's breaking news. My, my I, I main event that, team's never going to recover. It's the RA. It's just like, you know. I think that's I just, just news. So what's, go, what, what, what's the score? Five nothing. Five nothing. Jeez. 
And like, and, and kind of just getting babbit to death a little bit. Like, it's just that's like, how Washington beats you because we've talked yeah, a million they're, they're times. Just, they never strike out. And in Flaherty's credit, at least early, he's not walking anybody, but their hits are just falling. Eight mm-hmm. hits in an inning and two thirds for these five runs. And that's exactly yeah. it. When you lose to Washington, it's usually because you're getting babbit to death and. That's how uh, it can go against Maybe them. Josiah Gray can just keep pitching well so I can at least get a win out of Jack Flaherty sh- screwing me. With a 5-0 lead, it would be really tough to lose a Josiah Gray dub. I would hope. Um, our last three up here, and before we go to three down, is Eddie Rosario. Dude is absolutely out of his mind in, in June with eight homers and 19 ribbies in 14 games. His season line is nice. Am I remembering correctly that he got his eyes fixed this offseason? That was a couple seasons ago. Oh, okay. I, I think he's had I, multiple. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's had multiple eye surgeries. Well, if he got one this offseason, it took a couple min, minutes to click. And by a couple minutes, I mean two months because he had sub 700 OPS totals in April and May uh, with five homers and 18 ribbies between the two months. But then, like I said, this month, eight homers already and 19 ribbies. So he has almost two X as many homers as he did all season coming into this point and he's doubled more than doubled his RBI total. What's up with Eddie Rosario and is this not a great opportunity to get into a really good lineup via the waiver wire in shallow leagues cuz Rosario's only 28% rostered at uh Yahoo. Do you believe in Ros- what Rosario's doing right now? Uh yeah, so Rosario got his eye procedure at the end of April um of last of, year. Of last year. Okay. So, um it, it wasn't this year. He did have an off-season surgery. I can't remember what it was, though. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why he started the year on the IL and, and I think was a little bit slow going. But, I mean, you've got to love what Rosario is doing. Um, it's hard to believe that he's necessarily going to keep it going because, I mean, for the season, he's got, uh, like, a pretty low zone contact score. I'm looking it over what it's been. Hey, hey for the – month or for the last month or so it's about league average um only problem is he is swinging outside the zone a ton so i do think that there's going to be strikeout issues uh that kind of aren't being shown right now um but he isn't getting unlucky or he isn't getting lucky on base on balls um he's making a lot of conic i think he's just one of those guys who and he's is who rosario has always kind of been he's a streaky guy he sees the yeah. ball well for a few weeks and then is murdering it, and then all of a sudden he misses it. But he's always going to be aggressive. He's rarely going to walk very swinger, much. Yep. Yeah, and so you're going to kind of ride hot streaks, and then when he goes cold, you're going to kind of drop him. But um, I think right now you ride it. I mean, he's got home runs in four straight games, five total in the last four games. You just Love it. Enjoy what- it while it's here. There was some chatter about Rosario's eye, eye situation in spring. Mark Bowman of MLB.com uh, had reported that his issues, vision issues are now completely resolved. That was on February 26th. So whatever the adjustment period was, I don't know if there was a tune-up surgery or anything like that. It just says that as of late February this year, he felt like he was really clicking with the improvements to the vision. And, of course, they didn't really click in uh, the first two months of the season, but now this third month here, He's blazing hot. So I do think it's a good way to get into a good lineup. Um, I know they've been sputtering a little bit lately, have the Braves. But Eddie Rosario, as a waiver pickup, I think you jump in right now. You ride it in those shallow formats. And if he comes back down to earth in a big way, you cut him. 
and I don't think it's if it's that big of a deal if you want to do that with Eddie Rosario. Let's go uh, three down. Uh, let's start. I, all three could have been on this same team, but I, I I bunched them together here. New York Yankees guys. Three of the four worst WRC totals in the last thirty days are Yankees. Anthony Volpe, DJ LeMahieu, and Anthony Rizzo. Let's start. Let's start with whether or not you're cutting any of those three in deep formats right now. Rizzo, LeMahieu, Volpe, any of them leaving your roster in a 15-teamer? I dropped DJ LeMahieu in tout this week. It's probably the one that I could get on board the most with cutting. It was hard because LeMahieu is usually like an on-base percentage kind of asset, but he hasn't yep. been this year. And 291 uh, OBP. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been killing me. And... Luckily for me, I also had Brennan Donovan on that team. And so, like, I didn't need switch. the flexibility. Um, and so I just, you know, with Cody Bellinger coming back, um, somebody else coming back on that team, uh, I went, like, okay, I got to drop a couple guys. And, and LeMahieu was one of the two. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem dropping any of them at this point, really. I think I would prefer if I'm going to keep one of them, uh, I think it's probably Rizzo. Uh, not Volpe. He's still got fantasy mm-hmm. juice. Like I know it's 189, right? You don't want guys hitting near Keith. Paul Spore's body weight. But Keith Law wrote uh, uh, Keith Law wrote a really good piece. I think on the Athletic. I think that's where Keith is still writing, mm-hmm. um, where he talked about Volpe and uh, and. I agree with him. He thinks Volpe is just overmatched and that the Yankees are, while the Yankees aren't necessarily going to send him down because he plays good defense and, you know, he can at least steal bases. Like he is just overmatched right now and needs to go back down to learn how to hit, especially breaking stuff. So they finally took him out of the one spot. Um, Yeah. It it just seems like 22 games wasn't enough at triple a. Are they being stubborn or is it the shortstop need? Because I'm wondering why Peraza, yeah, because shouldn't Peraza, Peraza's already the better defender. So why? They've they've also got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa still there, and Falefa's actually been playing really well um, as of late. So like, I, I think they're being stubborn. I think they're, I think they're, I think they're looking at this kid like, hey, he's the future. We don't want to send him a bad message. um, I think that's part of it. and, And so like, I think they're just, they're saying, hey. You're an elite prospect. We believe in you. You're going to hit your way through this. Um, and oh my God, no, Victor Robles, you got to catch that ball. Um, not now. John Gray's being babbipped to death. Josiah um, Gray. Oh, sorry, but John. Yeah. Josiah Gray. Yeah. Uh, the the new so. pod feature is doing an episode with oh, you Victor watching. Robles is hurt. One of your starters. Oh no, not Victor. Um. So no, with, with regard to Volpe, I agree. They're letting him play through it. You know, last month he hit 174 in May, but six homers, five steals. So you're still getting a little bit of that fantasy juice. And like I said, nine homers, 15 steals on the year. But at what cost? I guess, you know, I'm not even saying that I would still be starting him in 15s. I think you have to hold on to Volpe just in case. Maybe not, though. Maybe I, maybe I hold too much, but I see nine homers, 15 I, steals. I held on to him in the one spot where I, I got him, and he was he, I picked him up off the waiver wire in a 15-team league. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I've, I've held on to him for now, but two forty Babbitt, by the way, I also understand wanting to drop him and, and yeah. doing so like I just 31% K's playing 
into that BABIP issue, right? And if he's overmatched, you don't just look at a BABIP and say, oh, Volpe will will push up because this BABIP's too low. 243 is pretty darn low. I think a bad BABIP from somebody who's struggling could probably be more in like the 265, 275 range. It's, Maybe there's some regression to that level, but all the strikeouts are a problem right now. 31% but, rate for I mean, uh, Volpe. Volpe's XBA is 224. Maybe we would be feeling a little bit better if he was in 224. If it started with um, a two, I think people would at least be feeling a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of hoped he would be hitting my body weight, not your body weight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but alas, that's where it is with him. And then Rizzo, you mentioned he's the one that you'd want to keep around the most because his struggles are pretty recent. He started off yeah. brilliantly. In fact, even being one of the worst guys over the last 30 days, his season line is still a 113 OPS plus with 11 homers because Rizzo started off brilliantly. So I think this is just a cold streak. It's it's like aggressive regression. Like we knew that he would smooth out from where he was, but the league is just, you know, baseball gods are just taking all of the regression out at once. Mm-hmm. And so he's hitting 083 with a 108 BABIP here in June. Um, and that's what that feels like there. So I agree with you. No, no move on Rizzo. You can cut LeMahieu in just about any format. I'm okay cutting Volpe in shower leagues if you have to. I'm trying to hold in 12s and up just think, because the fantasy heat is there. I think, like, the question you have to ask yourself with Volpe is, like, are you okay seeing him on someone else's team? Like, it's Correct. like, you know, like, it's not so much like what he's doing for your team, but are you okay? Because so he will get picked up. For sure. Just, Immediately. It, like you mentioned, the fantasy juice is just too good. Yeah. So will it kill you for him to do anything on somebody else's team and maybe figure out to hit like 230 the rest of the year with the power and speed? Because that would be enough. I think he really only needs to be hitting like 225, 230 to to be a fantasy beast for Volpe because of the power and speed. And if he's hitting 230, I mean, the Yankees apparently will lead him off. So like, Yeah, exactly. They'll probably put him back up to number one. Um, Casey Schmidt, this is a deeper league one. Casey Schmidt was not really ever uh, super shallow viable, but... He had 11 hits in his first five games. He has just 23 in the 30 games since. Good for a 213 average. Should he still be rostered in 76% of main events? Uh, I don't think so. Um, Casey Schmidt I, for the Giants, by the way. I, I dropped him in a number of 12-team leagues this week, so um, I don't think... I, think I found that make... number surprising. Yeah, I, I mean, I think people just hold on. I also think you're going to start seeing... Is a roster crunch for the Giants. I mean, uh, you know, J.D. Davis has been banged up, so they brought up David VR, but, you know, Davis also hit a grand slam over the weekend. So he's not going to the IL or something. And at some point they're going to have to kind of figure out what they're going to do with the rest of this infield because all their guys are pretty much healthy on the infield and not, not necessarily outfield. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I think Schmidt is even still up is because he plays so uh, he's played so well defensively, um, and, but I don't know that that's going to hold. Uh, so he also got hit by a pitch. I wouldn't, uh, you know, and had to leave the game eventually on, I think it was Sunday. Um, Ooh, and, I missed that. Uh, so I think there's a chance he even hits the IL today. Well, let's hope that he's okay. But yeah, if, if not, then he should probably hit your waiver wire pretty soon. Casey Schmidt was kind of a ride the lightning sort of thing. And I, I think sometimes especially when you start off that hot. Cause like, you know, when you get 11 hits in your first five games that can carry you for a while. Cause even though he only ended up hitting 
254 for the rest of May, which was another 17 games. His May average was 325. Five games in a 20-game sample, or I think it was 22 games in May, can really pump up the sample. But now we're starting to see it come down. He's hitting 266, 286, 383. That's a really bland line that doesn't even have value in deep leagues. I'm cutting Casey Schmidt everywhere. Our last uh, down here on 3-up, 3-down is... Dodgers rookies, and again, I cheated here and I used one spot for two players, but James Outman and Miguel Vargas here. James Outman, 189 average, two homers, three steals since May 1st. He had a big April that really carried him. In fact, still has him as a plus bat overall. Another guy with fantasy juice, nine homers, seven steals, but is he being overrated because of April and being a Dodger? Uh, He has a 552 May OPS, 633 in June. Where do you currently sit with James Outman? Um, I mean, he is who we thought he was. Like, this is like you you saw like the hotness that started off the season, and you know people were taking victory laps on him. And uh, I'm pretty sure, like two or three weeks into the season, I wrote an article that you should sell James Outman right now because the value was never going to be higher. And especially you, the hot Dodger, yeah, prospect. and and like he was that deep league sleeper that everybody was talking about. Um, you know, including me. Um, but you have to capitalize on those guys because this has always been his profile. He, Outman is a guy who just swings and misses way too much. When he's connecting, uh, you're going to get like a lot of fantasy goodness because there's power and speed, but there's a huge downside. The problem is for the Dodgers is they don't have the bodies that they used to uh, to sure. send him down. Because I think if this was last year, he'd be in the minor leagues right now. Um, but they just don't have that depth that they, that the Dodgers historically do. Uh, yeah, so I to call up. I think Amon's going to be fine. I think he's one of those guys in Roto that you look at the line at the end of the season and go, wasn't amazing, but it was pretty darn good considering where you got him, which was probably off the waiver wire in most formats. Um, but in head-to-head leagues, he's going to be really frustrating because – like when playoffs time come around, are you going to trust him in your lineup in a head-to-head format? I don't know that I would want to. So I totally understand moving on from head-to-head formats where he can just absolutely crush you in the week. Yeah, I think that is scary with Outman. And I like that you bring up the distinction between head-to-head and um, and Roto Leagues. You know, it, it probably going to end up with like a 2020 type season which, you, again, you're going to like in Roto, but whew, those bad weeks can really get you, and you can probably find an outfielder that is a more stable pickup for him in some of the shallower formats. So uh, I don't really want to cut out, man. I think in a 10 I could definitely do it, especially like a three outfielder 10. But anything with five outfielders, I'm still trying to hold them, even if I'm reserving James Outman mm-hmm. a bit. But Miguel Vargas is a different story. He's the 34th second baseman this year. And he's still 100% rostered in the main event. And I'm just trying to figure out why so much deep league love for him. Uh, Miguel Vargas has six homers, three steals, and a 210 average. What what What's the deal here? Why, why Should he be at 100% in the main event? That's 15-team mixed leagues? Um, I wonder if Miguel Vargas, and this is a bummer because I love Miguel Vargas. Um, I wonder if he's just a better real-life player than he is a fantasy player. At least, at least right now, he's 23, right? There's plenty to be yeah. written about him. But at this juncture, I just don't know how you're keeping a sub-700 OPS with, with no power or speed juice and a bad batting average. Yeah, he's on the Dodgers, and he's an interesting rookie that 
was a big time prospect, but I was stunned to see that Miguel Vargas was still 100% at, at the main event. Now, only 40% started, which, okay, that's an improvement, but 100% rostered, that surprised me. I, I mean, I kind of understand why, because he's eligible first and second in most formats. So you get the um, MICI. You get the MICI. He's like a great bench guy. The mm-hmm. underlying skills say his numbers should be better. Um, you know, he's got an 88% zone contact and, you know, for context, league average is around 85%. So he's above league average in zone contact. There is some power. There is some speed. He plays on the Dodgers. Um, you know, they, you know, at least earlier in the season, I think they were batting him a little higher. I guess he's batted mostly fifth, sixth, seventh, mostly seventh, eighth or sixth, seventh recently. Um, so I understand why he's rostered, but I don't think he needs to be rostered in any format at this yeah. point. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's just like, do you really need to be holding Miguel Vargas? I mean, I guess, like, I think the hard part in, like, 15-team leagues is, like, who you dropping him for. Like, Let me find you some names and see if uh, I can appeal to you with you know, especially okay. if you're looking for a guy who's multi-position eligible at corner middle, like those those guys are very few and far between. Like available. Owen Miller doing anything for you? First, second, third, three homers, five steals, hitting two forty-two, so thirty-two points better than Vargas. Yeah, but he, I mean, he, I think he's been pretty cold as of late too, right? And he plays on the Brewers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And has a propensity to be a short-term, uh, short-side platoon guy. He had a rough week last week after a good one the week before, which got him picked up a bunch. I think we talked about him on a mm-hmm. on a pickup show. Uh, let's see here. Well, Zach Neto's on the IL, so that doesn't work. You make a fair point here about the pickup options being scant, because as I'm looking around, I'm like, yeah, these guys are pretty crummy. Let me narrow it to 50. Because you, okay, you put a guy like Vargas on your bench, and then you need one less reserve hitter, right? Like Because you can, you know, he's True. now covering – you know, first, second, middle corner, you go, okay, now I, if I, if my CI was already a third baseman and my MI was already a shortstop, now I like I don't need to have that extra body on my bench. I can add another – I could stash a pitcher. I could stash an outfielder. I could have two outfielders. Like I, I can go a lot of different directions now with my bench. because So I understand why. But, again, I don't think he needs to be. It's just who you're picking up. Jace Peterson or Miguel Vargas in a deep league? I think I still want Vargas. Like, Jace Peterson still plays on the A's. I can understand it. And I I picked up – I did pick up Jace Peterson in a league where I was like, oh, he's multi-eligible. He's been hot as of late. Like, yeah, fine, you know. Um, But, like, I don't don't think there is, like, that big of – I don't think there's, like – I think that's kind of, like, trading – Neutral, yeah. yeah, and you're getting the guy on the worst team, so keep Vargas yeah. with the upside. Sure, in, sure, that's in the fair. worst park, yeah. I think the pickups, the lack of pickups, uh, sells me on on keeping Vargas a bit more in the main event and explains that 100% roster rate to me a bit but more. But in like in 10 and 12 team leagues, he should not be rostered. Uh, he's not rostered nearly that much. Um, at Yahoo, since I have it pulled up, let me look real quick and I'll ask you for rest of year. This isn't a pickup situation 31% at, at Yahoo. That's fine, oh, with that, that's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, but for rest of the year, regardless of format, any format where you would roster these guys, do you like Brendan Donovan or Miguel Vargas better? Donovan, I think. Me too. Four four positions, first, second, third, and outfield. Yeah. Also on a good team. 
he is batting hot or not. They've been terrible. They've been terrible. I still don't think they're a terrible team, but they have been terrible this far thus far. So I can't say that the Cardinals are a good team. Sorry, Freudian slip there because they usually are. You can usually just say good team with the yeah. Cardinals and you're usually correct, but not in this case. Okay. So that's three up, three down. Uh, weekend waivers. We are going to get into some of the guys that were picked up across the different formats. We talked about this guy a bit when he was called up Luis Matos. Were you able to get any Luis Matos? Well, how did things go with uh, with your pickups and Matos before we get into exactly what the 21 year old was able to do this week? I mean, he did he did hit pretty well, didn't strike out, but didn't put a bunch of fantasy heat out there in four games. So where were you? Did you pick him up anywhere, Luis Matos? Uh, I did not. My money went to a different type of player um, okay. that we're not going to talk about today. So I guess I'll mention it. I picked up closers. I got two okay. closers off the wire in some leagues. Um, oh yeah, I meant to put Jordan Hicks on. Who was the other one that you got? Kendall Graveman. Um, was Jordan Hicks the other one? Yeah, Jordan Hicks was the okay, other one. Okay, so you got Hicks and Graveman. Th- those would be the two I forgot to do in, closer stuff. I didn't even need closers in my auction league where I'm is I think seventh overall. At least I can was never be too Josiah prepared Gray. though. And I got both Jordan Hicks and Liam Hendricks for sixty nine dollars a piece. Nice. Nice. Because the second that you think you're set in saves, you lose one of your guys. I'm right? starting so, four closers in that league this week. I don't blame you. I, I don't blame I'm you. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to drop my ratios. I'm going to build a lead in saves, and um, and then I'm going to play the matchups. It was either that or like Michael Kopech versus Texas, and holy crap! Okay, that was a foul ball. Uh, <laughs> I thought Will just took Josiah Gray deep, um, but it went foul. Um, uh, yeah, I, I started four closers in that league, um, so I'm, you know we'll we'll see we'll see how how that works out. Yeah, for we'll me. see how that goes. Matos was super affordable, I will say. Um, at least in my leagues, I didn't see him going for obscene prices. Fifty-one out of a thousand with a thirty-one backup, I got no problems paying that for him. I was worried that, and we talked about this in the episode where we brought him up, uh, that Matos being kind of the guy in a week where there wasn't. A big standout mm-hmm. would he get overrated and in some leagues he did i saw him go some pretty big triple digit bids that i thought were maybe yeah, he went a little for bit. like 180 in a league of mine um yeah and like the highest main event one is zach waxman who we know did pace 178 but to his credit 148 was the backup so he needed to go pretty high if he wanted mm-hmm. him it's not like it was 178 with a 42 backup so I'm looking here and they were like uh, eyeballing it about 12 or 13 of the 53 main events where Matos went for 100. And then the bulk of them kind of lived in that uh, 50 to 99 range. But then another decent handful were under 50 as well. So it's interesting, too, just to bring them up since I brought them up at the top end. Wax, Zach Waxman got the top bid at 178 to 148. And then he's the third lowest winner as well at 26 to 19. So it's interesting that he... You know, whatever in his league, and he does so much data analysis, he probably knew exactly to the penny mm-hmm. what, what people would bid, but he was able to be super high when he needed to because he needed at least 149 to win that one. And then on the low end one, 26 bucks, he was still able to win that. That I always find that unique when somebody gets a guy multiple times at vastly different bids like mm-hmm. that. So that's, that's Luis Matos. We expect average. By the way, I meant to bring this up when we were talking about Casey Schmidt. 
do you want to offer like any sort of apology? Have you had to revoke your fandom? Because as of, I don't know, as recently as last week, you're talking a lot of shit about your favorite team here that's now 39 and 32, three and a half games out and ahead of the Dodgers. So I'm just wondering if you have any sort of repercussions for your behavior. It's so funny because like people who follow me that are Dodgers fans are like, you're such a homer. You're always hating on the Dodgers. And like, I feel like I am way more critical of my team than I am of any other team. And my wife will tell you that she has drawn (laughs) up papers to divorce me on multiple (laughs) occasions. Um, It was great watching them sweep the Dodgers. That was, I mean, how sick was that? Like that was like foreplay, like you wouldn't believe. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I I hope my Giants are good. You know what the 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 awful part about this is, is this is gonna what? be the same thing as the last few seasons, where they are going to do just well enough. Yep, to not sell. To not sell the pieces they should be selling, and they'll either stand pat or maybe make some minor moves. And then they'll miss the playoffs. And this feels like more like 21, though. I don't know. This feels more like, you know, we talk I about mean, Cardinals devil magic all the time. Y'all got devil magic, too. And everything's like that offense is clicking well now. That Y'all rank top 10 in OBP, OPS. And the runs bullpen and is the best. The bullpen is, is out been, of its mind. That's it's been, been the major key. Um, because the rotation is underwhelming uh, outside of web. And yet. It's supplemented beautifully by that bullpen right now. That is that is absolutely cooking. So yeah, I just want to give you a little trouble to, there. Yeah, I'm also gonna have to um, grow out my playoff beard, um, which is always a fucking nightmare in Northern California when you're in, in growing summer, out a yeah. months long playoff beard in a place that's gonna hit like 120 at some point yeah. this year. And and good luck with that. Uh, yeah, this my. I already told my wife. I was like, oh yeah, I wasn't planning on doing that this year, and. She's all like, uh, you are doing that. You do you, not you, have a say in the yeah. matter. And, um, That's funny how you thought you had control over whether or not mm-hmm. you were going to do that. That was adorable. It's a bunch of bullshit. But yeah, uh, well, a bunch of bullshit is the way you talk about your ball club. You should put some respect yeah. on their name because uh, apparently they're playing really well again. It's, it's so, scaring me because I bet on the Dimebacks to win the division. And now <laughs> like it was like, oh, the Dodgers aren't what they used to be. The Padres weirdly suck. And now my team is the team I'm worried about. Well, you can go for them without having to – like you can root for your team knowing that you're backup or, or vice versa. You can go root for the Diamondbacks bet to come through. Hopefully the backup is that your team wins it. The way you would get whipsawed though is that the Dodgers would come back and win the division. So you lose yeah, your bet and your favorite team doesn't mm-hmm. win it. So That's that part would probably be will happen, yeah. I had – instant FOMO on this guy on the waiver wire yesterday. I put him in a teammate of his at the exact same price. I would have gotten either whoever I had at the top. I chose to go Edward Oliveris over Samad Taylor. And I got to say it like nine Oh two. I had FOMO for not flipping, flipping those two no, because that's the right call. I just, I, I, I love Oliveris, right? We've talked about him so many times these last few years. Uh, as he's been jerked around, but now he's finally playing. And I'm I'm not mad about getting him. I'm worried. And Rob Silver put this comp out earlier today, and this was exactly what I was thinking was, I think there could be a little John Birdie-esque run, uh, pun intended there, with regards to the run, from Samad Taylor, who had 34 steals in AAA. 
And I know Darren Blanco was a guy who came up and we were like, he stole a million bases in the minors, but he's a 30-year-old journeyman. He's more Terrence Gore than anything else. But Samad Taylor can hit a bit. He had a 123 WRC+, plus, six homers, 34 steals in AAA. Comes up, gets a walk-off hit uh, in his first two games here. Might he be a speed game changer? You said that you don't think I made the wrong move, but I, again, I kind of was was bumming that maybe I should have gone for him to try to get a ton of steals as opposed to Oliveras, who's you know going to give me a bit of everything type of guy. What do you think of Samad I mean, Taylor? I haven't looked at Samad Taylor's like Statcast data from uh, from the minor leagues, and I probably should do that before saying what I'm about to say. But you know, I like to live dangerously. I like people who are listening to like tweet at me and, and call me mean names and, and put mean <laughs> comments in the, uh, in, in the show notes or in the, in the reply section of, of the, uh, the post for this. So uh, feel free to do that. Um, uh, as Samad Taylor feels like the guy that is going to get eaten up because they're just going to throw it right down the middle and dare him to hit it. He might. Um, he damn well yeah. might. That's possible. Yep. And Oliveras is a damn good hitter. I love I love Edward Olivares. I so do too. I, I mean, this I, is like my third time picking him up in this. I drafted him and I picked him up twice. Uh, could, him. could Samad Taylor be that guy um, that is John Birdie esque? Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, he's got speed. We know he can run, and we know the Royals like to run. We know the Royals get creative with their lineups, um, and they should get creative because this lineup sucks. Um, <laughs> it stinks out loud, man. It's it is rough. Yeah, and they've got holes. Um, I, I mean, what wasn't it like a week ago we were talking about Darian Blanco is the guy? Yeah, yeah that's what I said. Like, like, but but like he's it, more Terrence score, I think, because again, he had forty-seven steals. I, I undersold Blanco. He had forty-seven steals, and I guess he too was hitting in AAA. He had a one thirty-six WRC plus, but he strikes me as more of like the pinch runner type because he's thirty-year-old. Uh, Darren Blanco, whereas Taylor, I think, is more of a prospect. But maybe you, you've you've assuaged some of my concerns there. I I understand that there's a low chance. First off, putting anybody as this year's birdie, you know, we do the this year's whatever. Yeah. I would never make that a running thing, right? That is an impo- again pun intended there with the running. But um, that would be an impossible one to try to nail this year. Cedric Mullins, or as Vlad does with the Yelich, like those are ones you can come up with some things that make some sense there in a way to highlight players, but it's really hard to come up with something that's like this year's John Birdie. That's such a one in, you know, once in a, not lifetime, but once every five, six years type of thing that I don't think you're really eyeing anybody, but I just think Taylor, if he got going, could run wild for the Royals. And maybe this is a little bit of confirmation bias, right? Because, um, you know, I'm always looking for that, but, uh, You know, Eric uh, Loggenhagen did his top 47 prospects in the Royal system. It dropped less than a month ago. It dropped on mm-hmm. May 27th. There was not a single mention of Samad Taylor. Okay. Like, so no, he, no love. Loggenhagen doesn't think he's a top 47 prospect in that system. Um, wait, 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 wait. That's last year's. His, this year's isn't out yet. Oh, oh, Okay. Well, he wasn't in the last year's. He or wasn't no, he in was last year. He was in Toronto's last year's. Oh, he was that's part right. Of that's the right. Toronto system. Um, so yeah, the Royals one is not out yet. Um, let me see if any other sites put him in in the Royals top, you know, twenty or thirty or whatever. Um, because you know, I, again, I, I didn't think Blanco had hit that well in the minors. Darren Blanco, 
So that's why I thought there was a little bit of difference between them, but it seems like both of them really did cut up AAA before coming up. He was 19th in MLB.com's uh, Royals list, Samad Taylor was, uh, with a 60 run and a, and a 50 field and 50 arm kind of carrying him, 45 hit, 45 power. So, again, we don't have he to was, go too much further on him. He was 33rd last year on the, on the Royal or on the Jays. On, on, on the uh, Jays list. Um, I don't know. Like to me, and uh, I'm looking to see what what Eric said about him. But uh, he's measures measures much closer to a Malik Smith, Richie Martin kind of player. There you go. Um, so like, I don't know. Like, he, I guess, but decent defensively. So hey, and John run. Birdie is that that type of player too. That's sure. all. Sure. Like John Birdie he, was that guy before yeah, like he became could, something special. Could it happen? Absolutely. Um, is it going to happen? I would much rather bet on Oliveras because we could be a week or two from now and Kyle Isbell comes back and all of a sudden mm-hmm. Samad Taylor's back in AAA, stealing all the bases off the crappy catching in AAA that he wants. <laughs> or, or or Oliveras is. I hope not though. I do I do think Oliveras would hold over. I think I feel, Blanco I feel goes like down first. Oliveras should take. never be optioned again. Like I feel like I, that, I think he's been optioned enough for a career. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. But we'll see if that happens. Uh, more of a shallower pickup because this guy's been rostered in in deep formats for quite a while. But Leody Tavares finally picking up a bit more in the shallower formats and still has some availability, I might, I might add. But uh, at 42% rostered on Yahoo. And I wonder if that's coming up a bit shy for what Leody Tavares has been. Even after a surge, 42% feels a bit light. Eight homers, seven steals, 302 average on a great team. Is Leody still still a pickup in, in shallow formats, given that his roster rate is still pretty low after a wave this week? I think so. Um, there's no worse feeling than uh, – I mean, there are worse feelings. But one of the worst feelings in fantasy baseball is, like, like setting your lineup in a weekly league and, like, and then watching the guy on your bench just absolutely oh, such a tear the cover off the ball. Um, and that was the feeling for me in Tout Wars uh, last week where I, uh, I had Leody Tavares on the bench. Um, and he crazy. He just like absolutely crushed it. 333, 375, 667 with three home runs and two stolen bases on my bench. That's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty decent. You would have liked those numbers in your lineup. Call me crazy. Yeah, I, I would You would have. I think it, it it went really well with in my auction league where I had like you know Kyle Bradish, Jose Suarez, and Lance Lynn on my bench, or not Jose Suarez, um, Ranger, Ranger Suarez, Suarez. And, on my bench. Yeah, it was just it was a really good week for my bench in a lot of different leagues, and um, those stats don't count. Yeah, no, unfortunately they do not. Yeah. yeah, seems seems unfair that they're not counting those, but alas, they're not. So. That's a bummer for you. But, uh, yeah, I like Leody. I definitely think, you know, we've talked him up for a decade now, it seems like, even though that's not possible. Yeah. But uh, I really do like him, and I do think that uh, he could be he could be pretty nice for shallow leagues. And I, I, I do think a roster rate below 50%, even in a three outfielder, you know, no CIMI to take some extra outfielders, uh, you know, off the uh, outfield – I still think Leody Tavares should at least be on your bench. He's on a great team and he's yeah. playing very well right now. And he is the 22nd outfielder in baseball thus far. So 
uh, from fantasy standpoint. And I think what he's if, one of those guys too. Like he's very much like similar to Adolis Garcia in the fact that he's a really, really, really good defender. And mm-hmm. so that like even when he does struggle, like, he'll get to keep playing because he is such a good defender. And he's a switch hitter too, so it shouldn't put him into mm-hmm. too much of a platoon risk either. So right now we're seeing Tavares do what we've been hoping he can do for a while. I think it can keep going at a pretty decent clip. I would have him rostered in all formats. Spencer yep. Torkelson is also making some shell league rounds. You know, for a lot of the year, his underlying skills, his underlying skills have been there to say like, there should be results, but for whatever reason, the results just aren't there. They aren't there. Well, they're starting to come around. He had a big week last week, a big three homer week uh, in the seven games. Love to see that from Torque. He's kind of working his numbers up now. One of the downsides from a fantasy perspective is that he's really been tearing the cover off the ball against lefties. He has an 865 against them, but a 674 OPS against righties. But again, the underlying metrics have said that more results should be coming for Torque. So are you seeing him as a pickup in shallower formats? Do you have to have a CI? Is he a worthy util? I know it's probably a tough start as a starting first baseman in shallower formats, but where do you stand on Torque? Because he had a wave of pickups this week in the shallower realms. What do you think of him? Uh, I've been torn on, I, I've got to write an article, like a buy low, sell high kind of article. I've been torn writing about him as a buy low um, guy. Cause I just feel like he should be better. And I think he is starting to show signs of life. Um, you know, he's hitting the ball hard. Uh, you know, his barrel percentage this month is almost at 17%, which is fantastic. Um, I just He's don't know that he's so many better at bats though, too. Like yeah. just watching him day to day, it's a total transformation from last year, anecdotally. Yeah. The underlying numbers say he should continue to be better. Um I do have like this feeling like and maybe it's a matter of like he was a one one, you know, pro you know, one one draft pick and um and you know, and he was a top one of the top prospects, if not the top prospect in baseball, uh Spencer Torkelson was and maybe I'm just like part of my glasses are, are colored through the fact that he has not come anywhere close to living up to that hype. And that's unfair. Um, yeah. I mean, but you know, it, it's hard not to have that color, yeah. how you feel about Torque. So I think he should be picked up at least in the short term and kind of see if he can keep it going. Um, because I think we, we talked about, I know I talked about this with, um, with draft Chief when he was on, uh, but he talked about how, uh, you know, the Midwest have, has experienced a lot of cold in a way that they're not, nor- that we haven't normally seen. So baseball hasn't traveled as far in places like Cleveland and Detroit, um, you know, in the way that they're going to as the summer continue to, uh, continues to warm up. And so guys like Torkelson will get an added benefit from that. So, yeah, I think he is a kind of a buy low guy. Maybe I will write him up today. Yeah, um, I I dig it with Torque, and I really think that uh, he could continue to put up some numbers, you know, and he has exactly, after yesterday's game, 700 plate appearances in the majors. And a loose cutoff before I even start to really make any noise about a guy is a 1,000. So he's still mm-hmm. a half season away from that. So, you know, we basically got the rest of the year uh, until he gets to that 1,000. And if he ends up having a big summer – well, then I think the outlook on him is going to be a lot better than it was coming into this year where people were already ready to bury the 23-year-old Torque, which feels a bit premature. Uh-oh, they're coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. It happened. I, I, I swear I didn't do it. I was recording with Paul. You guys are all witnesses. 
we do have we do have video evidence that if the crime was committed in the last hour, hour and two minutes, yeah. it wasn't you. Uh, Emmett Sheehan was a guy we talked about getting called up for the Dodgers, and we were a bit dubious on is he going to stick? What's going to happen? And of course, he goes out has the gem to ensure that his prices go up. They seemed pretty fair, and because of the setback with Julio Urias. There are no guarantees that Sheehan can't stick around. And with Grove getting sent out, that opened up the door. Uh-oh, you're going to be very upset very soon. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a tie game. Brendan Donovan just hit a three-run shot. Oh, no. Oh, we're closer than normal if you're already seeing it, by the way, because he hasn't yeah. even reached home for me yet. So our, our streams are a lot tighter today. But anyway, uh, Emmett Sheehan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 402. For Brendan Donovan. Uh, hey, at least Brendan Donovan's in my lineup. You got him in in time. Uh, I started him today, too. I had a little bit of a tough choice, but I went with him. Emmett Sheehan had the gem. Going to get a start this week. It is going to be either at the Angels or home to Houston, though, so it's not great. Were you in on the Emmett Sheehan bids? Because despite the big effort that he had, his prices weren't crazy in a lot of my leagues. He had some, you know, big bids like uh, like everyone, you know, like we knew he was going to in some leagues. But for the most part... He seemed pretty affordable to me going under 100 in more leagues than not in the main event. Where did you wind up on Emmett Sheehan over the weekend? Uh, I put in some, like, you know, keep them honest bids, but even my keep, like, I wasn't spending a lot of money this weekend, except for on those, you know, on those closers. So Mm -hmm. um, I just worry that he won't be up in the majors for super long. I know the... Uh, the outing was really, really impressive. Um, and my Giants are like the best team in baseball ever. Um, but I don't know. I just, I worry that uh, his his time in the majors isn't going to be super long. He doesn't have a lot of innings. Um, well, who are they going to go to, up. though? The Dodgers. They've always find guys. Like True. Let me amend something, know. by the way. I made a, I made an egregious mistake earlier. All that chatter of Zach Waxman buying Luis Matos, those were Emmett Sheehan bids. So same principles oh, okay. apply that impressed me that he was able to get him for 178 to 148 in one league and then 26 to uh, what was it? Uh, 26 to 19 in another league. I, that range is still cool, but that was all Emmett Sheehan stuff. Uh, Zach Waxman is not that big on Luis Matos. So pardon me on that. I just want to get that correction out there with regards to uh, putting somebody's name to a player. I don't want him to be associated with a player that he has no interest in. So anyway, Sheehan, you're concerned about the long term, but what about short term? You know, he was going, like I said, under 100 in most formats. And that's a fine pickup for you. Don't need him to be more than a couple week type yeah. pickup. Are you worried about the short term performance as well? It was a weird outing. Eighty percent of was. the balls he put in play were in the air. Like he oh, you should just turn off the game. This is going to get Kopecking. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh god, no. Yeah, it's going to be another homer here from Goldie. Oh my god! <laughs> it was fucking tattooed, dude. <laughs> that baseball had a family. I love that call. That was such a a great call. Um, So we're either going to have another Kopech here or you you should turn. I think people like watching you watch your or hearing you watch your uh, pictures. So you can leave it on. I'll stop spoiling it. But that one was just tattooed. Anyway, I'm sorry. Emmett Sheehan, short term, the outing that he had, you were talking about it, saying it was kind of weird. Go ahead. Yeah, it was was weird. I mean, it was 13% ground ball rate, uh, 80% fly ball rate. I just worry that a lot of those balls are going to leave the yard at some point. Um, and, uh, and maybe that was just like, he was trying to take advantage of a, of giants lineup that isn't super powerful normally. Um, though it became super powerful later in the outing. 
right? <laughs> so uh, they they just beat up on the bullpen. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things where like even if he does lose a rotation spot, maybe he stays up and strengthens that bullpen, which has been really, really shaky this year. So, Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, as a short-term pickup. Yeah. I totally understand it. I wasn't willing to go the amount of money I thought he was going to go for. Um, and so I didn't end up with him anywhere, but I totally understand why people did. And there are going to be a lot of strikeouts. Like we, we definitely saw that, um, that you know it is it is a very live arm so yeah maybe uh, he, maybe i'm a little bit too low on him uh i think i probably wise. am yeah <laughs> no I, and especially like, with grove going out like i think that is a yeah. really good point like grove going out urius isn't back yet so even when urius comes back he could still hold on to a rotation spot so um yeah i i think i am a little bit too low i, you, you, I think turn me around a little bit uh the one thing i would say though that for, for your caution, so we'll, we'll balance our two takes here, is it's either the Angels uh, on Wednesday or Houston over the weekend for Sheehan, and then it lines up to be at Colorado the following week. So either way you slice it, the next two starts look pretty tough unless you protect them yeah. and get them to that at KC uh, at the end of next week the week of the 20 26th so it could be a little tough for Sheehan, but thankfully people's prices should keep it in check to where even if he doesn't go as well as you hoped it shouldn't be killing you like for example in my league he only went for 27 i couldn't even afford that though because a i didn't need that much pitching and b um i have no money so even 27 at a fair price for Sheehan, i still really wasn't in the running there and then the last uh picture the last week- weekend wave we're going to talk about here is garrett whitlock he's another shallow league guy who took a big jump up in roster rates across the shallow formats still only 36 percent at yahoo but took a big jump at cbs uh saw a little uptick at espn as well now up to 71 percent rostered at cbs what do you think of Garrett Whitlock uh, as a shallow format guy? Is he still should he be closer to a hundred percent? He's got a four thirty eight ERA and a one twenty three WHIP on the year, but pitching a lot better of late. Are you buying into Garrett Whitlock? Yeah, I can't remember where I wrote it, if it was Fangraphs or Fantasy Pros, but recently I made uh, I made the comment in in a write up of his where I said that he is going to be a hundred percent rostered by the end of the summer. Um, I t- and I tend to that, like his stuff is just so damn good. I know like the results haven't been perfect yet, but like uh, the slider is really, really good. And he has just a presence on the mound that I really, really enjoy watching. Uh, and I do think he's going to be kind of a guy that can help carry staff. And so like, if he's still available in your league, like he should be rostered, I think in every format. Um, and the fact that he isn't, I think it's a mistake. I think so too with Garrett Whitlock and you know he had two bombs in his first three back in April uh five five runs against Tampa Bay and Milwaukee both of those were on the road a gem against the Angels sandwiched in between those two then he goes out for a whole month comes back on May 27th and his four starts since then he has a 313 ERA and a 113 whip tiny sample for sure but we know that Garrett Whitlock has talent he's got swing and miss capability mm-hmm. even though the strikeout rate is relatively low right now at 21% it's a 13% swing strike rate so I think that can go up for sure fully agree all formats gotta be much higher rostered than 31% at Yahoo I think that that oh, is yeah. a uh, buying opportunity, 36%, excuse me. Uh, something we don't have very often, we have a catcher corner. And you're <laughs> dealing with a little bit of a conundrum right now where in a league you have four catchers, two catcher format, 
and mm-hmm. you have four viable catchers, but you can't trade one to save your life right now. And we're about to talk about four interesting catchers that have been getting picked up across the multiple formats. Do you think it's because this infusion of catching uh, across the league where we've seen a bunch of guys pop up is preventing you from being able to trade here? No, I think the people in my doubt league are jerks. Um, <laughs> not not really, but uh, for some reason, they don't want to trade with me. Um, and I don't know don't if it's... I get ripped. I, I don't know that... I think it's just people just don't want to trade, um, period. And I think it's... I think this is... A, an anomaly of industry leagues that people don't often talk about with trading. Cause we often, when we hear about trading in, uh, in industry leagues, it's because of guys like Ian Khan and Fred Zinke, Fred Zinke. Yeah. um, because they love to trade, uh, um, or it's because, and this is the reason why it's because a trade happens that changes the context of the league. Um, or someone seemingly takes advantage of another person, even though I don't think that really people are taking advantage. I think people just don't want to see something from both sides of a deal. Mm -hmm. And people get a lot of heat. And so when a bad trade or a trade that changes the context of the league goes down in an industry league, there's a lot of eyes on it. And people talk about it, and they make fun of one side. Um, And so it makes people less likely to want to trade in the future. Because they don't want to get um, because, roasted. Because they don't want to get roasted publicly. Like when that happens in your league, you may get roasted by your league mates, but you're not getting roasted by tens of thousands of people on Twitter, or, you know, yeah. or you know, in comment sections, or you know, you know people listening to the radio. Um, and so I think that people are a lot less apt to trade in industry leagues because they're, they're afraid of the feedback that they might get from Joe Schmo, who has no idea what the context of why they made that deal was and so there are multiple people in this league that have crappy ass catchers (laughs) that could benefit from Bo Naylor or well Allinger Kirk went on the IL today so he's one of the one of the four but Danny Jansen Gary Sanchez like I'll I'll give you hmm? you have two of the ones we're going to talk about uh that's great yeah yeah I've got two of these you know guys we're going to talk about and I'd love to trade one of them and no one will effing trade with me. And it just, it boggles my mind. Like, you know, and it, it's not just the catchers. It's like, it's everything. Like I've been trying to trade for power from Jeff Zimmerman, from Nick Pollock, from, you know, and none of them will trade with me. Be- and I, I have to assume it has to do with, they don't want to have to hear about other people talking on their podcasts and, um, and getting ripped and, you know, and, I think there's some of that, and I also think that in general trading can be hard. And that's but why I, I, I try don't not get answers back. I have these people's no, no, cell I, phone I f- numbers. I know where they live. I feel yeah. that. No, I'm just talking in general though, and that's why I try, you know, like in my chat and everything, to not just say, "Oh, trade somebody," because I'll say, "Hey, trade somebody if you can." I know that's hard, yeah. but absent that, then you can cut so and so or whatever. Because I know it can be hard to just say, "Oh, go trade." Um, yeah, not absolutely. all home leagues are created equally. Some are trade. Some are filled with like ten zinkies and, and cons. Others are filled with ten guys who have made ten trades in twenty five years of the league type of deal. So yeah. it can be difficult. But let's get into some of these catchers. You mentioned Bo Naylor. He's up. This one surprised me. He went triple digits in my league again. We're talking fifteen team main event here. Uh, two catcher sit- setup. But a hundred and 
uh, what was it, $131 or something? Yeah, $131 to a 17 backup. Went out and got your guy, sure, but nobody else was biting, apparently. In fact, all three of the triple-digit bids that Bo Naylor went for in main events had double-digit backups. So 158, 131, 107, the backups were 51, 17, and 38. It seemed that every league really only had one nailer person interested because most of the backup bids were markedly lower. Um, you obviously have them on that league. In a two-catcher deep league format, what are you expecting out of Josh Naylor? We talked about his brother earlier. Or excuse me, we talked about Josh earlier. What are you expecting out of Bo, especially with Mike Zanino DFA'd? clearing the path for some PT yeah, for Bo. I think that was the big thing because um, I I think this shows that the Guardians are really showing a lot of faith in what they think Bo Naylor is going to do for this year because mm -hmm. they DFA um, uh, your Zunino. boy uh, Zunino. Um, that jerk. And I mean, so they don't have a backup plan. I mean, I guess they've got, I think, like Cam Gallagher. Cam Gallagher. David Fry? Is that yeah, is? yeah, nailed it. Um, I saw him the other day. So, I was like, who's D Fry? I had literally yeah. no idea. I, I mean, I, I looked at their roster earlier, uh, so that's why I know. But otherwise, I would have this. That could have been a congressman for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a House of Representatives <laughs> yeah. guy. David yeah. Fry? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, Louisiana's third district. Um, but he did have a DUI, but he he got over and got elected. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We, he we got fried stuff. He got fried. We got to look into Fry. He's pretty rough mm. out there. But uh, Bo Naylor, big time prospect, has always been kind of a uh, hitting catcher as opposed to a, or no, no, a catching hitter, meaning that the yeah. hitting is, is the key there. He doesn't really catch that well. And that's probably why there was some concern about whether or not they're going to go with him that much because <clears throat> they have they such really great pitching. Or exactly. They really value the framing and, and the call, game calling. And, and, and Zunino brings that. And yeah, and so, so that's why I was really surprised they actually let him go. They're I committing think, now. And, yeah, because they're saying like this because it's not like Cam Gallagher's like a great you know game no he's caller he's or anything prototypical like backup like yeah, he's as backup so, as backup gets as far as as far as what uh, uh, Cam Gallagher can do. So it's Naylor's I mean, job. Is that enough to get you interested? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I stashed him and I stashed him in in Tower Wars. They've got a weird rule where when you pick up a guy, you have to play him the next week like he has the first to week yeah. line up uh the week after and so like i took a zero at catcher so i could pick up just to get Naylor, um because i think that he is an impact power bat uh mm -hmm. with some chip and speed uh the question is like how bad will the strikeouts be is the average going to be an issue for him but it's a catcher so like i don't care that much um and I'm hoping that I can trade either him or somebody else, you know, maybe to the guy who had been rostering Mike Zunino on his Tout Wars team all season long. All right, we're not we're not doing a call out corner. It's no, catcher corner no, here. No. Um, I'm gonna okay, get so a lot of heat for like like you get, this was just I'm totally this, joking. I'm totally yeah, joking. he's the goofing gaffin. Like if this is a fantastic league of a, of a lot of really good. It, players, it was so. a really I, I sat but, in on y'all's auction and that was a really fun. It's a really great room. So okay, so we like Naylor. We're gonna end up ranking all all four of these at the end uh, for one catcher and two catcher formats. So a guy we talked about last week went out, had a great week playing all but uh, – uh, well, hang on. It only goes back to, to Wednesday's game. Let me see exactly how much Yainar Diaz played. But he had a good week because I know he hit a couple bombs. And so going back to last Monday would have been the 12th. He played 
all but one. Oh, no, no. He uh, pinch hit in one of them. So he started all but two games uh, if they played on Monday. Sorry. But anyway, he played a bunch is the bottom line here. I, I should have had his playing time prepared here. But uh, And he's starting today at DH batting fifth. And that's the thing, too. Four of the last five starts for Yonder Diaz have come at DH. They are carrying three catchers. So Cesar Salazar can be Martin Maldonado's backup. I know I had to kind of sway you a little bit on Diaz's potential upside last week. He goes out, has a good week. Where are you at on him now? Is he one catcher viable, perhaps? I think in maybe like a deeper one catcher league. Yeah. Like a 15 team Um, league? Yeah, I think a 15 team league, uh, one catcher league. I picked him up in an OC. Um, I dropped uh, Blake Sable. Um, yep, got him yep. for seventeen bucks with no backup bid. Uh, Dig it. So I, I was pretty happy with that. So I think he's a guy that, like, as long as he's getting playing time, like we know he can hit. Um, and yeah. another uh, hitting catcher, meaning yeah, you know, or catching hitter. I keep saying it wrong. Where the, the hitting question is becomes the, the foremost thing. If and when Jordan Alvarez, uh, Jordan Alvarez comes back, like how much playing time does he lose? Because he he's benefiting from the fact that he can DH and play, you know, some first. What's he got to and- do, in your estimation, in the interim here to s- save that spot for D- Diaz? For because obviously when Alvarez comes back, he's going to play. Call me crazy, yeah. but I think he's going to go back yeah. in the lineup. I'm being silly. So and, obviously, and he's I gonna think come- they're going to be smart and not play him in the outfielder. And, and that's like the thing that, too, so. is he's pretty much going to eat up that dh a lot yeah can diaz get enough burn slotting in at first on occasion for abreu who has turned his bat around a bit mm-hmm. and being that backup catcher to where he's still 2c viable for sure for diaz i mean what he has to do is you know when you when you go to the majors and you're you're in your first few years of um you know, time you're, you're making a league minimum, which is $590,000 a year. He needs to sock away some of that and contract someone to run Maldonado over. Got no, it. 720 well, Nancy, yeah. well, Nancy Kerrigan action. Yeah. I only know that because of yeah. park baseball because uh, okay. min, min players are 720 K. So yeah. you're looking for an old school Nancy Kerrigan situation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you should do it like Nancy Kerrigan did and contract that work out. No, no, no. Yeah. Tanya Harding did it to Nancy. Kerrigan. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Tanya Harding. Um, uh, so, yeah. Because then, get in this worst case scenario, you can sell the movie rights later, and Margot you know, Robbie and plays so, you. Mm-hmm, yeah, and that's a long-term viable strategy. That's that's thinking long-term. There, I this like it. So, is completely let, off the rails. I was just about to say, let me let me get this straight. Uh, <laughs> I had to roast people you, out and, and I had to roast you for shitting on your own team. You dumped on all of your Tout Wars League mates. Yeah, uh-huh. Now you're advocating for a potential hit, not a murder hit, but just a yeah. an injury hit mm-hmm. on Martin Maldonado. Do I have that straight? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, just, make, just making sure I have it clear what you're do, what you're doing today. I mean, uh, if I'm Yanir Diaz, I am turning Martin Maldonado into mechanic and throwing him straight under a bus. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Our next catcher, this was the guy I was actually battling. I, I had, this was a uh, Edward Oliveris, Samad Taylor situation for me last week where I had them at the same price, but the guy that I ended up getting was Diaz over Danny Jansen. I got I got uh, Diaz for nine unopposed. I had Jansen for nine unopposed. He actually went for four to somebody else. First off, do you like that move 
Diaz over Jansen, or would you have gone Jansen? I think last week you would have gone Jansen because you didn't I think like I would have gone Jansen, um, and I, I I still think I would do that. And they I, both had great weeks. Yeah, Jansen looks great. I don't regret getting Diaz, but I totally understand anybody that says they would have taken Jansen. He's hot, looking good again. Does he need to be rostered in all one C formats now? Yes, I think so. Especially uh, in light of the new, news that you just mentioned with Alejandro Kirk going on the IL. Yeah, I don't know and, why and I said IL like that. And Brandon Belt's on the IL too. So when so Jansen I, uh, is in, yeah, when Jansen isn't in line at the catcher, he can DH. So I think, yeah, I think, and the long term prognosis of him getting playing time, I think, is better. Uh, yeah, and he's because, a great defender. Yeah, so Diaz I, can't defend. And and if if one catcher is going to lose time once Kirk is back, I think it's got to be Kirk because Jansen is such a good defender that I think he you know that he should be behind the plate more often. So and Kirk's just not hitting that well. We're going to talk no. about him in a moment in more detail. You could probably figure out what context that's going to be. But one yeah. other catcher, Henry Davis. Sorry, Andy Rodriguez, folks. This is why you don't stash a rookie <laughs> catcher. Uh, but Henry Davis, the former one-one pick leapfrog Diaz after just 10 games at AAA where he dominated and he was dominating in triple and double A as well. Henry Davis, he had 10 homers, seven steals, uh, in 41 games at double A comes up to triple A. Like I said, 10 games rips off another Homer, two steals and a 142 WRC plus bingo, bango, bongo. He's up. Are we ready for the Henry Davis era? He's also dealing with a Zunino esque situation of Austin hedges being there, except hedges didn't get kicked out the way, uh, the path was cleared for Naylor. So what do you think of Henry Davis for the Pirates? And let's go two catcher leagues because I don't think he's one catcher viable anywhere yet. Yeah, I don't think he is either. Again, I think he's very similar to Bo Naylor where I think he can hit for power right away and I think he can chip in some stolen bases. The question is, where does he play? Because like you mentioned, they didn't, um, you know, like DFA Austin Hedges. He's still there. Austin Hedges is a fantastic defender. Uh, Are you familiar with what's happening? Sorry to interrupt you because it, it's very pertinent to what you're saying here, though. Are you familiar with what's happening today on Monday? I'm not. Davis is starting in right field with Hedges uh, well, keeping catcher. Okay, so this is what I was about to get to. Which Sorry, was, I should have let you finish then. My fault. I wonder if he just starts DHing. Um, but I mean, if he's playing right field with McCutcheon DHing, like there's just, yeah, there's another way for him to get in the lineup. Ooh, the- this was happening in the minors, 13 starts at, at right field. So this is not new. Okay. This has been an issue, uh, not an issue. This has been a setup with Davis. Does that not make him better in a way? Cause then he's the classic non-catching catcher. Yeah, it absolutely does. Because if he's playing full time with catcher eligibility now, with them still having Jason delay on the roster, he may lose catcher eligibility for next year, but that's, that's an point. issue for next year. Kick that um, shit down the can, uh, kick yeah. that can down the, down the street. And, and maybe he, you know, maybe he just, you know, at some point they just say, we're going to give you enough games to make sure you're still honing those catcher skills. Cause I think they want him to be a catcher long term. He was a one, one. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that there's value there. Although I believe delay is also a pretty good catcher. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yes, we know yeah. hedges is one of the best in the game. So if Davis is playing outfield regularly, I think he does start to get a little 15 team, one catcher potential because of what we've seen mm-hmm. in the minors from him. So let's start there. 15 team, one catcher situations rank Bo Naylor, Yiner Diaz, Danny Jansen, and Henry Davis. 15 team one C. Oh God, that's really, really tough. I think I I'm imagine going... there's going to be ties and everything, but just give us the four that you have there. You're probably not going to have much split amongst them. 
Yeah, I, th I think it's super, super close. So I think I think you make an argument for all these guys in just about any order. I I'm agree. gonna go Jansen. I'm gonna go Jansen, Davis, Naylor, Diaz. But like I said, I think you can move it around. I think for me, the fact that Davis is playing in the outfield and can Very potentially play every day. <laughs> gives him a really, really strong argument to being one. I just, I think I trust Jansen's bat to be better just because me too. Seen He's it. got the track record over all three of them combined. Jansen but does. It, if you were to tell me one of these guys is going to double the output of the rest of these guys, rest of the way it's Davis. You know, what's intriguing. He's seven for three and at double a uh, added all together it's nine for 14 on the bases i i didn't know davis to have any speed component but maybe he's taking advantage of uh, actually i don't know if they have the bigger bases he's down not the supposed to be he had a 30 speed grade on yeah well and have you noticed <laughs> have you also noticed the patient uh patience uptick this year he has a 17 percent mm -hmm. walk rate he was eight percent last year we're talking 2x on the walk rate here do you buy into that with davis it's always so hard to tell when we see those gigantic jumps because we don't know how much of that is, oh, we're you know Pitching teaching around. him to be more patient or or teams going, I'm not giving you anything to hit. Like, exactly. You know, so that's what I thought with Ellie. And I remember I cited that specifically. Mm -hmm. I said I don't think this is real. I think this is people are afraid of him. But with two levels for Davis, and he's not as threatening of a hitter, although he's been hitting brilliantly this year. So maybe yeah. maybe part of it is fear, but it is worth noting. 17% walk rate, a little bit of speed. I, I, I'm up. I got to get him up there too. So I think I go, man, I think I go Jansen. I think I might go Davis Diaz. If you need a Diaz catcher Davis. in a two catcher league this weekend, isn't this the like hitter you're going all in for? Like, are we going to see Davis? De La Cruz bids in NFBC this weekend in Fab? Like, Depends what he does. If he goes crazy. If there's a big week out of Davis that includes like a couple steals as well, if he hits like a homer, two steals with a 312 average or something, which isn't even crazy, you know, not some 400 mm -hmm. average. But if he just puts up a hell of a week with power and speed I and only one game at catcher or something, I think Davis bids could get pretty crazy. Because non-catching catcher, we know what that can do. We saw where Varsho's level was this year. And, of course, I'm not saying that Henry Davis is Varsho, but when you're not having to catch, that is such a fantasy boon. Let's talk. Um, he's, he's facing three lefties, too. And he, he, Davis himself is a righty, right? Yeah. So that, that's that. Yeah, he's, this he's could got, be a really got, nice setup. He's got Rich Hill, Braxton Garrick, and Jesus Lazardo. Um this week so like it's like he could go off and then all of a sudden like yeah people are spending a ton of money what about shallow leagues one catcher now this is where i think we should bring in the potential cuts because we talked about alejandro kirk and his injury mm -hmm. um gabriel moreno and mj melendez all three guys that I, I saw the intrigue and in. i was in on kirk and moreno myself not as much on melendez but i understood the intrigue all three guys were hyped and expected to be great. None of them have been. Fifteen. Uh, uh, Melendez is the fifteenth ranked catcher on the year. Moreno's twenty second. Kirk is twenty eighth. Are you cutting any of them for one of these four in a twelve or shallower? I would cut Kirk 
um, especially because he's on the IL, and um, I would cut Moreno because yeah. with Carson Kelly back, the Diamondbacks have said they're going to split time. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, and the rest of that offense is really, really good. I mean, they sent down Josh Rojas today because they need another outfielder. And, um, and they was didn't it to have, stretch out his arm? Because he's pitched multiple times this year. Oh, has he? Uh, yeah, your boy Josh Rojas is out there. Uh, so, sorry, Not that I Rojas I... has been very good or anything this year. You know, like he's been pretty pretty mediocre, if not bad. Yeah, so, like, six I totally... deals but zero homers, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I understand it, but like there's not going to be room for Moreno at the DH spot regularly. Mm-hmm. So like I think Moreno is a, a pretty easy cut for any of these guys. I agree. I still believe in Melendez, and he's I'm, another I, I guy. I find that to be fair too. He's another guy who's playing the outfield, so like he's getting to play every day, and mm-hmm. the power speed combination there. Um, is so tantalizing that I don't think I would drop Melendez, but I think the other guys for sure. I I kind of wish I dropped Tyler Stevenson to be honest. I you know mm-hmm. and and picked up mm-hmm. Henry Davis in a non NFPC league this uh, this Sunday. So I I can't go too hard against that. Obviously, people probably know that I love Tyler Stevenson, and I I, I did too. Was hoping for a power surge this year. It has not come. He has a 115 ISO, which is really bad. So I actually I, I don't disagree I, with you there. The um, problem only, for Stevenson is Joey Votto's on his way back today. Oh, is he back today? T- today batting sixth. Yep. And Christian Carcino Strand's been playing the outfield, so like there's going to be less opportunities for Stevenson to like soak up first base or DH time with what's coming back or or up for the Reds. So exactly. I, think I probably should have actually cut him for uh for Davis. Um I'm I'm fine including him on this list of potential cuts and shallow leagues. I love Stevenson. I want parts of the Reds offense where I can get it. But these four catchers offer some real upside that put them in at the very least, put them in Stevenson's mm-hmm. uh, grouping, if not ahead of him. So I think that that's totally fair. Um, what about in? I guess your your ranking wouldn't really change in in two catcher formats. Then you would still go no. Jansen yeah. Davis, Naylor Diaz, right? Yeah, I think okay. so. So I have Davis. I have Diaz ahead of Naylor. Naylor's my four. But again, the splits here are minimal. Pick up the f- one that's available for your league. And if you want to go Davis number one and sh- try to shoot the moon because of uh, this outfield playing time and what he's been doing as a 1 1, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. All right. Last bit here the stash list. Three guys that starting to get picked up in some leagues because uh, people want to get the jump on them cheaply before they return from the IL. Eduardo Rodriguez. O'Neill Cruz and Grayson Rodriguez. I saw uh, Rodriguez. Uh, Grayson, of course, is in the minors. Eduardo Rodriguez and O'Neill Cruz are on the IL. So even though Cruz is far away, I saw him getting picked up in main events. I actually put him at the end of my list. I needed somebody who could play, so I, I wasn't really interested in doing that. But I was like, if I miss out on these fifteen guys, then I would I would take Cruz. I didn't get him. Somebody else did for four bucks. Were you in on an O'Neill Cruz stash right now? And if so, uh, in, in the NFBC specifically, where you have no ILs, that's that's the I'm going to make that a little bit of a narrow ask though, mm-hmm. because with ILs it's easy, but with yeah. no ILs, are you ready to stash Cruz yet for like a what eight to ten week period, perhaps? 
I put him on my list in a couple leagues where, like, I didn't really have injury issues or I was able to say, like, oh, well, I'm going to cut, you know, X player that went on the IL because he's out for, you know, four to six weeks and, you know, and he's not nearly as talented as Daniel Cruz. But for the most part, no. Um, I just – if the Pirates continue doing what they're doing and they're in the playoff hunt in eight weeks, then, yeah, sure, maybe they decide they're going to try to make sure O'Neill Cruz is, you know, back by the end of the season. But there's also a really good chance that the Pirates fade, that a team in that division goes on a hot stretch, um, like the Brewers or even the Cardinals. Or even the fucking Cardinals, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden we get to – mid-August and um, and the Pirates aren't really a playoff contender. You know, they're six games out of, of the last wild card spot or something like that. And they go, we're just going to shut O'Neill Cruz down for the season. Yeah. And now you've been holding on to that roster spot, which you could have been used to churn a different position. Um, and, uh, and you just wasted that time. So... I understand it, but you need to have a really, really healthy team, no other stashes, and some pretty darn good and flexible, you know, roster spots on your bench. So in order that's, to be able to do that. That's where I'd want to be too. And I don't have that. Like Cruz, it, it, I've talked all season about my my offensive woes. And obviously getting somebody like O'Neill Cruz would be great, even for a month and a half if that's what he ends up being. But it's such an unknown right now that I just couldn't see myself doing it. Now the guy who did it won the main event last year, Bob Kramick told us. So I'm not here to I hear he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, and he paid four bucks, so it's not going to kill him. I think the part where it could hurt him is the part you're talking about, and I think he's smart enough to not let this happen. But if holding that roster spot was preventing him from making moves – by the way, he's in the exact same situation as me. We are dead even at 19 offensive points. So he's thinking the same thing. Where can I get a real um, offensive jump start? O'Neill Cruz down the line. So but, I mean, the the problem with I think that is you are already so far behind. Are you putting yourself farther behind by not by, having that, by that not spot. having that spot you can optimize on those Friday switches? Because I think no, that's, that's fair. Where, that's so, fair. You know, I, I respect Bob, and he is a better player than me. He proved it last year, um, but I don't know that that is the way you build yourself out of an offensive hole. He's got some uh, he's got some flexibility with some guys. We're not gonna go over his whole team, but I see some flexibility where he can work things. And again, based on his skill, which is very high, I trust him to cut bait on that if he needs to down the line and not let it hamstring him. Um, these other two a bit more appealing to me. Eduardo Rodriguez threw a bullpen on Friday, so I wasn't surprised to see him getting picked up in a bunch of leagues as he works back from that finger. Maybe he can beat the timetable. Uh, what was Eduardo Rodriguez of any interest to you after the bullpen on Friday at Target Field? Uh, another guy that I put in for like he, he was like third or fourth on my list for pitchers. Um, but everywhere where I put in for him, that's where I got my closers, and so I ended so up not getting there. him. Um, but I totally understand why people are. He was really, really good prior to getting hurt. I mm-hmm. do think that there was going to be some just natural regression because he oh, was for getting sure. super lucky uh, in some regards. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I the waiver wire, especially in 15-team leagues right now, are so barren for pitchers. I mean, just 
unbelievable. And one of the reasons why. Well, unless why, you want to pay high end, right? It's like the prospect of the yeah. week for eighty gorillion dollars or nothing is what it seems to be most. Well, and, and that's the thing. So when you've got fifteen owners going in for those one or two guys, like you're either overpaying or you're just saying, "I'm going to take what's left on the scrap heap." Yeah. Um, you know, like I was making decisions like, oh, is Trevor Williams a good pickup this week? Or like, <laughs> no, you know, um, and that's where I said, like, screw it. Instead of starting, you know, six starters, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go a little heavier on the closers and another closer and see what happens, you know, and I'll make more adjustments later on. But um, at least I know I'll be getting some innings that hopefully don't murder me the way Jack Flaherty and Josiah Gray have hey. murdered me. Um, and thankfully I haven't had to watch it for a little while because my app froze and it's just a picture of, uh, I think, uh, uh, Paul DeJong striking out just That's frozen funny. on my TV screen right now. Um, That's actually, really I don't funny. know. Is that, is that Paul DeJong? <laughs> Flaherty, by the way, went six. He's on the hook for the dub right now. So as bad as it was to give up those five I'm, runs I'm gonna in the first hope- two innings. But you know that the Cardinals bullpen are gonna blow. You what's gonna I mean, happen is Jordan Hicks is true. gonna come in and blow it, and I'm gonna get doubly smoked. Oh my god! If that happened Hicks everywhere, so oh yeah, that but, would be such yeah, a pain I'm, in the ass. I'm taking a picture uh, real quick right now um, of uh, of, of your frozen frozen pig. screen of of Paul DeYoung just like. You know, it's, it's funny that it's him it. too because of uh, because what uh, inning are we in? Because it, it says middle six right now, it's top seven now with two outs. Yeah, so Car- it's been frozen for a little while. <laughs> That's funny. Carl Edwards Jr. has a two one count, two Lars Newt Bar. Our last guy's uh, Grayson Rodriguez, who's in the minors working uh, at AAA and dominating three straight quality starts, uh, 10 and 11 strikeouts in the last two. He was held in a lot of spots, but I did start to see him trickle up a decent bit, particularly in some of the shallower formats. Are you trying to stash Grayson Rodriguez were available? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I wrote um, an article over the weekend about kind of the uh, baby Orioles um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and all the guys in AAA right now that – I would hope are coming up pretty soon. And Grayson Rodriguez is one of those guys. He's been fantastic in AAA. Uh, I think they should give him a shot. I mean, I think they're rolling out like Cole Irvin and, and you know, guys like that right now still in that The rotation. thing of it is, though, like they traded for him. They have some interest in Cole Irvin. Yeah, he's got a 766 ERA, but like his Sierra says, I mean, it's 466, which isn't great. And Grayson's better. I'm not making the case that he isn't, but I wonder if the team's going to lean on the veteran lefty and Irvin to get some innings and then use Grayson as more of a uh, trade acquisition call up, like call him up more in July and run him for the last half of the season there, as opposed to having to deal with the innings issues. Uh, that might come to be now. Of course, if they're starting him six innings every time out in AAA, well then you're not saving the innings. They still count the si- count the same in AAA. So there would be a situation where if you're just going to give him six every time out in AAA, you might as well call him up. And I mean, Dean Kramer doesn't need to be like rolling out in this rotation every you know five days. Like, like again, they- I think that comes back to the innings situation because yeah, he's been pretty mediocre too. But I think they just want some of these veterans to eat up the innings and then turn to Grayson down the stretch more again, like a July call up and let him carry it to the finish line there, especially because they're doing pretty well without him, right? They're sitting in second at 43 and 25. So I don't know. That said, I still advocate holding Grayson because it takes 
we don't know. We're guessing. And he could be called up on a dime. In fact, the next injury to the pitching, I would think he would be immediately called up, right? He has to be the first guy up from, from an injury standpoint. Yeah, but it's not, I mean, to me, it's like you're wasting the bullets in AAA. Like, like it's not like they're like saying like, oh, we're only going to throw you, you know, four innings each outing. To keep Has it been fresh, every... you got all these innings at the end of the season. He's, 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 he's been going every five days. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. And... Has it been every fifth? Yeah, he, he went he okay. pitched on the third, the ninth, and the 15th. And yeah, then they're not saving each shit. Time. Yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. saving anything doing that then. They're really not. So I maybe there's something he, he's working on. And, like, you know, I don't think the Orioles are tanking. Like, the, you know, no. they're clearly trying right now. So, like, and it's just – it is a smart organization, right? The guy who runs the Orioles used to run the Astros. Like, they know what they're doing. So, like, there's a reason why he's down there. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a reason maybe I don't understand, but I don't need to understand because I'm a fantasy baseball writer and podcaster and well, not, he, you know. But His last five before he got sent out, he was a nightmare. Grayson was, Rodriguez yeah, gave up 11 right. homers in those starts. So they figure, okay, you got to go down. You got to figure it out. But these last three starts or these three starts in AAA have said like, okay, I'm figuring it out. By the way, and the last uh, two have really been figuring out because 10 and 11 you, punchies. Yeah, and you know, only three walks in the last two starts. He's given up two home runs in those starts, but you know, like he's he's attacking the zone. He's getting a lot of strikeouts. Like, I think he's going to be back up quickly because I do think this is a team that wants to compete right now and has the bullets to do it. And they have spent zero money doing this. Imagine if they go on a spending spree next year, like. Or, or at the deadline and maybe pick up a big piece that way. Like, they've got I mean, prospects for days. They've got... Here's the thing. Like, I this is like a... a I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Otani wants to play in a place like Baltimore. Mm. But they've but got great. money to spend. And how they great could, would that be? Like, you know, there was talk that they could make, like, a like the type of deal that, like, to Correa or someone like that, the sign of season, where they go... They completely overspend, but do it just to like make their team that much better. Yeah. If any team could do it, the Orioles have like no money on the books, pretty much. And, you know, because all their guys are pretty much in ARB. That's the um, thing. Just so many young guys on rookie deals or uh, pre ARB or currently on ARB. And so they're in a really, really good position. And, and like I said, I don't think Otani would, would do it because Otani gave up a crap ton of money to come early. True. Um, and so, like, I think he really wants to go to a place where he can win and be and maybe comfortable. Finish his career. Yeah, and, and, and be an icon. I think I think he wants to be the guy that people look at thirty years from now and go, "Well, that was the greatest player of that generation." True. Um, so, but if if it was about money, I think the Orioles could make a play. In fairness, he will be that wherever he goes, whether that be Baltimore Absolutely. or elsewhere. But um, I can see him going to a more of a uh, high-profile team mm-hmm. where he can kind of get off-the-field ventures going and advertising and all that just to maximize his value because he's a god. He's the best player in the universe. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's Grayson Rodriguez. I think if they could map it out perfectly and like turn off injuries, they would hold him till the All-Star break and then go from there uh, down in AAA. But I think... Next injury, Rodriguez has to come up. So we'll keep tabs on that. But uh, that's going to do it. And again, different, a little bit of a different format. Thank you for the comment, whoever sent it. I do think it was getting stale with just the two steps and the pickups. Just 
Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday. This will be a more unique way to get players discussed, and hopefully people enjoy that. But, uh, Justin, hopefully the rats don't get you. Go get them. And uh, if the rats don't get you, your NFBC or your Tout Lawyers league mates might. So be careful. Yeah, I yeah. I, I hope I hope everybody who like listens to this episode listens to the end. But I love the guys in that Tout Wars. League. Anybody who it, knows you knows you do. Yeah, like, and I, I hope I, I I know I'm gonna get messages. Uh, well, maybe maybe I'll get. Yeah. <laughs> they need to know that you're trying to be funny and being silly. Uh, I, I I just want to trade. Just someone yeah. please trade with me. Like just Justin is down to trade. I so. will I, I you can have like one of those catchers for nothing. Like but I need he power. Just doesn't, in, he just in, doesn't want to cut. Yeah, you just don't want to yeah. cut him. I'm free. not going to cut. I will hold them till the end if I have to. You're nothing if not stubborn. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll talk later this week. Oh, actually, uh, we'll have to talk offline. We have to reschedule. I'll be gone on Friday. We're going on a road trip. Um, so we'll figure out something. We'll do some Thursday if you're free. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll figure out Thursday then. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Talk to you later, Justin. Take it easy.